Hello, this is Audrey Mack. The Word of God says in 3 John 2, I wish above all things that you may prosper, be in good health, just as your soul prospers. So I pray that this message be a blessing to you. Go deep into your heart to work divine transformation, both in you and through you. So get ready, open your heart, and be blessed. Boldness is a key element to um, move in the signs and wonders and to see um, things happen in the kingdom of God. Amen. God has called us to be ambassadors. It's called us to be witness for Him. It's called us to lay hands on the sick. It's called us to do the impossible. He wants us to do great and mighty exploits for Him. Amen. And we just saw that it, we need that, um, that courage. Amen. We need that boldness, that inner uh, fortitude. Amen. In order to do and, and, and dare to say and do things that the world might look at us and said, you are little, you know, you're not. Or who do you think? You remember David? I like that. When David, you know, when he came and he heard that, you know, his bro- he went to bring some cheese and some food for his brothers and for the king. And he got there and he heard that there was that, you know, Goliath that was, you know, that was defying the army of Israel. Did you see, did you see David? Who is that uncircumcised Philistine who defied the armies of the Most High God? Amen. He had that boldness and he spoke it out. And when when his brother says, who do you think you are? You just, you're too young. And they started to make, you know, to kind of ridicule him. And what did he do? He didn't argue with them and said, no, he turned around and he repeated it. Who is that uncircumcised Philistine who defies the army of the Most High God? Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Don't let people intimidate you. I like, you know, that's one thing I like about Andrew. He says, you think I'm weird. No, I think you're weird. You know what? I like when he say that. You know what he's doing? He's turning the tables. He's saying, yeah, you're trying to intimidate me. No, I'm going to try to intimidate you. You think I'm stupid? No, you're stupid. (laughs) Amen. Amen. And, And that's what we have to do. Amen. We've got to be bold enough. And that boldness comes when you know who you are, when you know who you belong to. Mm-hmm. Amen. Who you represent, when you know who, what you have. You've been entrusted with authority. You have diplomatic immunity. You're not subject to the law of these lands. Everybody might have the flu, but not you. Right. Everybody might have something, but not you. Hallelujah. And you know, that happens not just by believing it, but by declaring it. When people look at you around and when you're tempted to think, what are people going to think of me if I say that? You've heard that before, haven't you? Said, if I open my mouth and I'm bold enough to to say, oh, no, I'm not going to get sick. And what if? I get, you know what is, what is that, what we're thinking about? Our reputation. Uh-huh. We're thinking, what are people going to think about me if I say boldly that I'm not going to get sick and then I get sick? Right. You know what I mean? Right. And so we've got, we've got to be bold enough to, to say it and do it. Amen? Amen. And most people, we were saying they, they think that they need more faith to be bold. No, 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 no. They need more boldness. 
and it's going to help them. It's going to help their faith. Amen. Uh, you remember in uh, Luke 17, let's go there. In Luke 17, the disciples never asked God for more power. They never asked God, you know, for more anointing. No, they asked God for boldness. And that means that that's something we can ask God for. That's something we can pray about and ask. Amen. Because it's interesting when the disciple asked Jesus, increase our faith, Jesus counterattacked them and says, you don't need more faith. Yeah. Amen. In Luke 17, let's go there. When the disciple says, oh, increase our faith. What did Jesus say? If you have faith as a mustard seed, you can speak to this mountain, command it to be removed, cast into the sea, and it will obey you. What was Jesus saying? You don't need more faith. If you've got an itty little bitty amount of faith, it's sufficient, it's enough to, to accomplish the impossible. But you notice what Jesus started to talk to them right after? He started to tell them, he says, you don't need more faith. He said, but how many of you have a servant and that servant's come back from the field and you tell him, come and sit down and rest, put your feet under the table. How many of you have a servant and would do that? Anybody? No. What was the point Jesus was trying to make? Let's go and look at it and read it. I don't want you to think that I'm inventing something here. In Luke 17, in verse 5, he says, The apostle said to the Lord, Increase our faith. And so the Lord said, If you have faith as a mustard seed, how, how big is that? That's really tiny. If you have faith as a mustard seed, you can say to the mulberry tree or the mustard seed, uh, mustard, the, the, um, the tree, uh, sycamore, whatever tree, be pulled up by the roots and be planted in the sea and it would obey you. And which of you, having a servant, plowing or tending sheep, will say to him when he has come in from the field, Come at once and sit down and eat. But will he not rather say to him, prepare something for my supper and gird yourself and serve, uh, serve me until I have eaten and drunk and after you will eat and drink. Does he thank his servant? What is he saying? Why is he talking about faith and says you don't need more faith. You just need a little bit of, bit of faith. That's enough to accomplish the impossible. But then you notice he explains faith by giving a little parable, a little story. He starts talking about his servant. And he says, how many of you, you have a servant coming back from the field and you're going to tell that your servant to rest? None of you. What is a servant supposed to do? Work. What is your faith supposed to do? work. You know what Jesus was saying? You don't need more faith. You just need to put your faith to work. If you've got a little ebity amount of faith, if you put that little amount of faith to work, it will accomplish the impossible. Your faith, faith is there to, uh, to, to accomplish the impossible. Your faith, if you, keep, if you don't do anything with it, will not accomplish anything. You've got to put your faith to work. You know, I like to compare faith to muscles. 
How many of you have muscles? Whether you feel, see them or whatever, you've got muscles. You know, our faith is what I'd call like spiritual muscles. The Bible says, amen, in Romans 12, 3, that we have all been given the measure of faith. You know what that means? That means that every one of us were given the exact amount, the same amount of faith. You see, God did not measure a certain amount of faith to you and then another amount to you and... We all started with the same amount of faith. But what we do with that faith will determine whether you've got strong faith or weak faith. Because faith is like a muscle. You see, when you go to the nursery, if you know you, you just gave birth to a baby, and they put the baby in the nursery, let's pretend, and you go, you know they used to put it behind like a big, screen window kind of thing and then all the daddies were behind looking and see where is my son where is my daughter because you know why they said where is my son where is my they all looked alike whether you had a baby boy or baby girl they kind of all looked the same didn't they and you know that the baby girl and the baby boy they all were born with the exact same amount of muscles but how many of you have seen mr bodybuilder they walk like this. <laughs> Amen? And how, where is Heather? Come here, Heather. My husband calls her Heather like a feather. <laughs> well, you know, what's the difference between Heather and Mr. Bodybuilder? Come here. <laughs> Come on, flex those muscles, brother. But here is a man, here is a girl. So there is already kind of a little different. But when they were little babies, did you know that they looked very similar? And we were the same. Yeah, when they were little baby, they looked very similar. But what is the difference, you know, between little Heather and Mr. Bodybuilder? The difference is that Mr. Body, thank you, you guys can sit down. You know, I like, I, I got a picture here. I, I found a picture. Because I didn't want to point anybody out. But <laughs> What's the difference between somebody who's got huge muscles and then somebody all small and skinny? Was one born with more muscle than the others? No. The difference is one has spent 20 hours or eight hours a day exercising, putting his muscles to work, putting pressure on his muscles, hours and hours and hours. And what happened? He didn't get more muscle. No, he got stronger muscle. And in the same way, why don't I have huge muscle? Because I don't spend any time exercising. Do you know what I mean? In the same way, our faith, we all were born with the exact same amount of muscles. But some of us have stronger spiritual muscles. We don't have more faith. We have stronger faith. Amen. That's what Jesus was saying. He says, you don't need huge amount of faith. 
you were given the measure of faith. But what you do with your faith will determine if you will be able to lift 200 pounds of spiritual thing. You know what I mean? Or if you're going to be... How much you exercise your muscle will determine if you can lift up 10 pounds or 200 pounds. How much you exercise and put your faith to work will determine if you've got a strong faith or a weak faith. Because you know in the Bible sometimes you can see Jesus says, Oh, you of little faith. Oh, you of great faith. You know in the Greek it was not talking about quantity. It was talking about quality. Amen. Little faith was actually oligopistos, and it meant weak faith, or a faith that starts and stops in the middle. A, a faith of short time, uh, or short length. And, and great faith was tosuntos pistis, which meant a faith that is strong, that starts and continue, and continue, and continue, until the goal is, uh, is achieved. It's a faith that lasts, lasts, and passes the test of time. Amen? So we don't need big faith. We just, amen, we just need to start putting our faith to work. And, how, and we've got to start somewhere. I remember when I was in Bible school, you know, and that's a good place to, to you know, for any little thing, put your faith to work. Put your faith to work. You know, the problem oftentimes is people, we, we tend to get on a comfort zone and we never put pressure on our faith. Right. You know, it's like, okay, we go to work, you know, and then we come back, everything. And, and we never challenge our faith. I remember when I was in Bible school, a um, long time ago, I remember when God had called me to go out of France and I packed my two, two bags and I went to the United States. I didn't know anybody, didn't know, you know, I just landed here in the States. And all I could bring was two suitcases. And I didn't have a winter coat. And now I lived in the south of France, which was very warm. And when I arrived in Oklahoma in the month of December, there were ice on the windshield. You get out of the house, there were two inches of ice. It was cold. And, you know, very quick I knew I, I was being taught on the, the, the word of God. And very quick I said, I have got to put my faith to work. And I remember I said, and, and I started in the small things. And I remember that one time um, I needed a winter coat. And you know what I did? I said, okay, God, I need a winter coat. So I went to the store and I found the coat that I wanted. You know, and I, 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 the, the exact color, I said, if I'm going to have a coat, I might have something I like, right? So I went, I found the exact coat, and I laid my hands on it, and I said, thank you, Father, I believe I received the coat. But you know, is the key, I didn't tell anybody. How do you put pressure on your faith? So many times, you know, you've got people that pray, but then they tell everybody, Right. you know. You know when the Bible says, and my God shall supply all your needs according to his riches in glory? You know what the in glory means? It means that you know that you know that you know that it had to be God and nobody else. Right. You know what I'm talking yeah. about? Yeah. It had to be God that brought it to pass and not somebody that overheard you said, oh, I need $2,000. Right. 
You know what I mean? And so I prayed, believed I received, and didn't tell anybody about it. I said, if that faith stuff works, I'm going to know it. If it, if, it, if it works, it better work right, right now. And so I just put pressure on my faith. And I remember one time somebody, you know, they probably felt sorry for me because I had a little linen jacket and it was, you know, frozen. Out. But, you know, the in interesting thing is during that time, during the time when I was believing God for a coat, I wasn't cold. It was like God was keeping me warm. But people were, you know, were feeling sorry for me, I guess. So somebody brought me a coat, and it was ugly. <laughs> I mean, you're talking like, like mega ugly. <laughs> they must have pulled it out of, I don't know where, the goodwill somewhere. I don't know. But you know something in me? I felt like if I take that coat, I'm going to short-circuit my faith. I'm going to give up before, you know, I get the answer to my prayer. And so in a very nice and kind way, I said, I'm sorry. Um, oh, no, no, I'm, I'm good. Everything is cool, you know. I was very sweet. But then one, probably a couple of weeks later, somebody came and handed me a brown bag. And they said, God just told me to, buy, to get you this. You know, you get the little butterfly because you said, am I going to get another one of those there? <laughs> and so she gave me the brown bag, and I get the exact coat, color, the everything, I mean, the coat. How did they know? They didn't God. You know what I mean? That, at that moment, I put my faith to work. And you know what it did to my faith? It made it stronger. It may, and then I remember I got a sprained ankle and I said, I'm putting my faith to work. You know, we are so easily pop a pill. Pop a pill, go the easy way, and we never put a pressure on our faith. We never uh, act on our faith. We never uh, um, put our faith to work. And how, because you know in the natural, your muscles, what happened? Have you, have you seen somebody in the hospital? who have not been able to walk or do anything for months, what happened to their muscle? It atrophies. And they, can't, they become weak. Spiritually, we've got a lot, of, a lot of atrophy in the body of Christ. People who never put their faith to work. And so here is the thing. If you are waiting to have to lift up 200 pounds to put your faith to work, you're going to hurt yourself. You've got to start where you are, little by little. The, the, the bodybuilder started with 30 pounds, 40, 50, and he went gradually. Amen. Without faith, it's the same way. You've got to start putting pressure on your faith, little by little, for your faith to get stronger and stronger. And you know, when the day... Because I had put pressure on my faith, on different things in my life, for the small things and the little bigger things. When the day when bone cancer knocked at my door, and I knew I had bone cancer, I had exercised my muscles. You see, I had exercised my faith, and that cancer didn't scare me. I knew, amen, I knew how to put pressure on my faith. I knew how to believe that I received, amen. Hallelujah. Glory to God. So we've got to start putting pressure on our faith. We've got to start where we are. Amen. And how do we do that? I'm not going to go and teach a whole thing on faith. But find out what belongs to you. 
You see, once you know what belongs to you in the word and you know that it's a blessing that has already been given to you, but that blessing is in the spirit world. It's invisible. You know, you believe that you receive. We have, I have um, a teaching that says, have you really received? That's a great teaching on how to uh, 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 believe, how to get a hold of the promises of God. Amen. And put pressure on your faith. And then you've got to be bold about it. Bold to say it, to declare what you've got, what you received. And bold to act on it. Your faith, amen, once you know what belongs to you, you believe that you receive it, then you've got to be bold to declare it and bold to act on it. You know, that's what the word says, 2 Corinthians 4.13. 2 Corinthians 4.13. I'm talking about boldness tonight. Amen. 2 Corinthians 4.13 says, But since we have the same spirit of faith, according to what is written, I believed and therefore I spoke. We also believe and therefore we speak. You know, I like to say one way you can put your faith to work is by what you say. Yeah. You know, your faith, if you allow me to say it this way, your faith is voice activated. Yeah. One way you put your faith to work, you put pressure on your faith, is by, de by declaring what you believe. That's how you got born again. You believed in your heart and you had to confess with your mouth. Amen. Believing in the heart and confessing, declaring with the mouth. And we know what happened. You got born again. Amen. That's how faith, one way you can put your faith to work is by boldly declaring what you believe. Amen. And, and, and don't talk. Don't talk the problem. Talk the solution. Because a lot of people, well, they'll declare, but they'll declare the problem. They'll talk about the problem. But faith declares the, the, the solution, declares the word. Amen. That's what Mark eleven twenty three says. It says that whoever say to this mountain, be removed and cast into the sea, and does not doubt what he says. Amen. He shall have what he says. You see, did you notice it says you believe once and you say three times. That means that you can believe something and that means you're going to have to do a whole lot of speaking and declaring. Because once you believe, you are healed by the stripes of Jesus. When your body says you're not healed, you're going to have to open your mouth and say, yes, I am healed. Amen. When the doctor says, oh, you still have cancer. No, I am healed by the trial. You're going to have to be bold about it. Amen. How declaring. Hallelujah. Romans 4.17 says that God called those things which are not as though they did. The truth is that everything has already been given to us. Amen. That is a truth. I have, um, you know, a word here says that you've already received everything, everything that healing, prosperity, everything that Jesus did on the cross, 
and he purchased it on the cross for you has already been given to you, Ephesians 1.3. God has blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. All those blessings, everything that belongs to you, belongs to you, but it's in the spirit world, right? And the spirit world is invisible. Amen? Amen. So those blessings belong to you, but they're invisible, right? And the Bible says that God calls things that are not visible. Not that do not exist. Things that are not visible as though they were visible. You know, it's like the best illustration I can use. I remember I used to have a dog. Her name was Coco. You know, and when Coco, you know, behind our house, we have a lot of trees. Sometimes there is foxes and, you know, all kind of animal squirrels and stuff. When Coco would see one of those, you know, animals, she'd be running. At that moment, Coco existed, right? But I couldn't, she was not visible. So what did I do? Coco, I called her. Coco, Coco. And what happened? Coco came. You see, in the spirit is the same thing. God has already blessed us with all blessings, healing, prosperity, the whole, everything we'll need to live this life in godliness. Amen. Everything we need, but it's in the spirit world. And with our word, we've got to declare it. I am healed. And be bold about it. I am healed. I've got it. It's mine. Hallelujah. Amen? Hallelujah. You know, that's what Jesus did. You remember? That's what Jesus always do. He would say, I am the resurrection and the life. And then he called forth Lazarus out of the tomb. I am the bread of life. And then he would feed 4,000 people. I am the light of the world. And then it opened blind eyes. Amen. Jesus would speak things continually. And we've got in the same way to be bold with what we say. Amen. Hallelujah. I remember that reminds me something. Many years ago, in 2005, when Fred and I, we're talking about boldness and being bold to declare what belongs to us. Bold to take a stand when everybody around looks at you and said, you are, what are you saying? He's, you know, and, and think that you're a cook. You know what I mean? I remember when uh, Fred and I were, were, well, Fred was building our house. And it was in 2005 during the gold rush, you know, when everybody was building and there was a huge shortage of concrete. And so it was right at the moment where we were doing a foundation. And so we had ordered the concrete like, I don't know, two months ahead or something like, was it a month or two ahead? We had ordered the concrete for that specific day. And then before we could pour the concrete, we had to prepare all the foundation, put all kind of stuff, pray with a chemical. Then we had to put all kind of stuff. And here I am. I mean, we had sprayed and here I am with my sweats and I'm, I'm joining the crew because we have a deadline. We've got to get everything ready so that the inspector can come and pass the inspection. So then the next day we have the concrete truck coming to pour the concrete. But we have two problems. 
Here we are, I mean, we are under pressure trying to get everything done before the, the inspector comes. And we are like, we, we, we're in a bind. And all of a sudden, it starts raining. And have the, the guys, I mean, there is Fred and I, I mean, we're all there. And there is probably eight or nine guys working. And one of the guys says, and I had prayed because the weather said it's going to rain all week. We had ordered our concrete a month before. And if we had to cancel it, we didn't know when it was going to be another month or two. So we knew we were. And I said, God, I believe, I have prayed. I believe in Jesus' name that it's not going to rain this week. I believe we're going to pass our inspection. I believe, you know, I'm declaring things, I'm praying, I'm believing, I'm receiving. But here we are. The rubber meets the road. Here we are on that, you know, we, we all scrambling to try to get that, you know, all the things finished before the inspector comes. And all of a sudden, Fred's, Fred's secretary calls on the radio. She said, hey, Fred, I just wanted to let you know that the inspector just left the last house. He failed every one of them except one, and he's on his way to, to your house. And we, we are, we halfway done. And we're like, oh, my gosh. And the guy here, well, I guess we better wrap it up because we're never going to get it. You know what I had to do right here in front of all of them? I said, oh, no, we're going to get our inspection. I prayed, and my God is a big God. So you guys, you watch, we're going to get our inspection. The guy kind of snickered, kind of looked at each other like, here she goes again. <laughs> but I said, no, you guys watch. I've got a big God. You know, I put my reputation, the fact that the Bible says we are of no reputation. And I declare, I said, no, you watch. We are going to pass this inspection, and it's not going to rain. You watch, my God. And I was bold. I, I mean, I got bold. And all of a sudden, here's the inspector. He walks. We are not even halfway. In the natural, if you know anything about it, it is impossible. The guy just walks and go, Fred goes and talks to him. Then here I come. I put my two cents in. The guy says, I don't understand why. He said, I just trust you guys. I'm just going to go ahead and pass you the inspector. I trust you're going to finish it. We won't even, don't tell anybody now. <laughs> well, 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 I'm not finished. Hold on a second here. <laughs> and so here the guy kind of all of a sudden kind of look at me like, and then it starts raining. And, and, and the guy says, well, I guess we better wrap it up. It was starting. And the, the scars were black. And, and, and it starts raining. And the guy says, well, I, I guess we better wrap it up. It's not, this, pouring is not going to be tomorrow. And we're not going to get it done. And here they go. I start opening them. And I went and I said, no. I said, no. And I am keep on. I said, no, you watch. It's not going to rain. Rain, you stop. It's not going to rain. We pass your inspection. We're going to pour concrete. I am telling you the truth. It, it rained and poured all around except on our property. How many of you know that the guy started to kind of look at me and like, <laughs> kind of like, well, I guess we better shut our mouth, you know. But 
you, you, you know what I'm saying is like, what if I, because my, the temptation, I guarantee the temptation, when I was opening my mouth, everything in me was saying, what, are, and what if it doesn't happen? And what are they going to think? And, nah, 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 nah. and you know, all that stuff. And I said, no. It was like the, I got bold because I knew I had prayed. I knew we had a, you know, a deadline. And more importantly, I wanted it to be a witness to those guys Amen. around. Amen. Amen. And we passed our inspection. We poured the concrete. It rained everywhere around except, amen, except on our property. Amen. Glory to God. And then the inspector, he was funny. He said, do you know it's raining back over there? How come it's not raining here? That was kind of funny. Hallelujah. But the point I'm trying to make is that we have to be bold, to take a stand. You know, I'm talking here about concrete and might say, 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 seem a little trivial, but you know, it's the same thing with everything in the kingdom of God. You know, sometimes to be, God might give you a word, but something in your head, what are you going to think if, if I open my mouth and, says, and put myself on the line and what if? You know, and what if it's true? And what if it's going to bless somebody? And what if the person is going to be blessed? You know, I remember when I was in India one time, and, and, and here it gets a little trickier in the United States because everybody wants to sue everybody. Amen. Lawsuit galore. But you know, when you go in other countries, like in India, they don't sue you the same. It's a little easier to get bold. You know what I mean? Right. Like Smith Wigglesworth could do some things. I wonder if he could still do them today. You know what I mean? It, it, it makes you wonder because the, 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 the enemy has just pushed us so much into a, 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 a mode of intimidation and, and political correctness and everybody's suing everybody. But I was in India and, and there was a woman, I was doing a pastor's conference, and there was a woman that came to me and you could tell she was in so much pain, so much pain. And she took my hands and she put them on my, on her, put my hands on her stomach. And I didn't know what was wrong with her. She spoke, you know, a tribal language that I did not understand. And all of a sudden, I heard the Holy Ghost says, punch her in the stomach. <laughs> punch her in the stomach. But you know, as soon as I heard that, I heard the, the, the devil yeah. says, and what if, and what if, and what if? What if it doesn't work? And what if we, you hurt her? And what if? Right. But you know, that's the thing. As the first, you, you hear the, verse, the first voice, is, it's usually always God. The devil comes right behind to try to steal that word. And so I didn't, I didn't think twice. I went, bam, and punched her in the stomach with all of my strength. Have you ever seen the cartoons when you have the, you know, the, the cartoon, the character where their eyes go, <laughs> that's how her eyes looked. It looked like her eyes went zoom like this. And I took a step back, yeah. you know. But, and, and, and the truth of the matter is really she had a, a, a de there was a demon. And it was those demons just kind of trying to attack me. But I, I just left it there. And three days later, at the end of the conference, she came to us and testified that, that she had had uh, stomach cancer stomach cancer and that she was in so much pain that you know she she was thinking about really killing herself she didn't know what to do and she said that conference will be the last you know my my last you know resort and she was totally healed totally healed you know it was 
It was boldness just to do that. You know, boldness not to, to think about what people are going to think if it doesn't work. Sometimes we've got to turn those, you know, and just go with the first, the first wor words we hear. You know what I'm talking about? Talking about bold, not being afraid to step out. Not being afraid to step out. Not being afraid to look ridiculous. Not being afraid to look goofy. Not being afraid to lose your reputation. Not being afraid of what people are going to think and say. Amen. But thinking, what is God going to say? Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Glory to God. So we've got to, you know, we've got to be bold. Hallelujah. And we've got to be bold and start acting like it is so. Start acting in boldness. You know, in James chapter 2. James chapter 2. In James chapter 2, verse 17 through 22. You know, it's interesting. I've noticed many times when groups go on mission trips, and I'm talking about short-term mission. You hear, for example, in a Bible school setting, and then you go on a mission trip, which many of you are going. All of a sudden, you find those um, very often people that go on short-term mission trip, they come back all pumped up, and they've seen miracles. They've seen things happen, and they get, wow, you know, excited. Why is it? that they saw miracles there on a short-term mission that they don't, they're not seeing at home. It's because they have a boldness. Why do they have a boldness on a mission trip? Because they're not afraid what people are going to think. They don't, people don't know them. They don't know people. Tomorrow or the, next, the, the few next days, they, they, they go home. And they, they're not so concerned about what those people are going to think about them or going to say about them. And you notice how they get a little bolder. They're not afraid to step out. They're not afraid to do certain things that they would never do back home. Because after all, at home, people know you. At home, we've got a reputation to, to defend. But if we could have the same mindset of saying, I'm going to be at home, like I'm, I am on the mission field. That same boldness that I had on the mission field, I'm going to have it at home. Not being afraid of what people think or going to say. Amen? Amen? Hallelujah. James chapter 2, are you there? Yeah. James chapter 2. Amen. Verse 17 through 22. He said, thus also faith by itself, if it does not have works, it is dead. I like to replace the word, the word works by corresponding action or by action. Faith, if it does not have actions or corresponding action, it is dead. But someone will say, you have faith and I have words, actions. Show me your faith. With that, your action, and I will show you my faith by my works and my actions. You believe that there is one God? Well, you do well. Even the demons believe and tremble. But do you want to know, O oh foolish, a man that faith without works or actions is dead? Was not Abraham, our father, justified by his works and his action when he offered Isaac, his son, on the altar? Do you see that faith? 
was working together with his work and his action. And by his action and his works, faith was made perfect. You see, it's to say the same thing. You have faith, but if you don't put it to work, it remains dead. And the word dead means without power, ineffective. It won't produce any result. You can have faith. You can believe that it's the will of God to heal. You can believe that by his stripes you are healed. But if that's all you do is believe and you never put some actions with what you believe, your faith, your belief is going to stay stagnant and not produce any result. Your faith has to be accompanied with action. And, you know, we saw that one way we can... one where we can act on our faith with, with our words, by boldly declaring. But I want to talk to you about actions now, actions of faith. Amen. We know that we know that we know, amen, that all things have already been given to us by grace. Amen. If you're familiar with Andrew's teaching, you know, grace has already given us all things. Our faith is not to try to, to have God give us anything. He has already given us all things. Amen. But what does our action do? It's a response to what God has already done. Our, our actions is, is to, it, it's, it, it's a proof that we truly believe. Our action, you know, it says, you can tell me, you can show me your faith. By what you say, I'm going to show you my faith by my action. Right. I'm going to show you I really believe by, by what I do. Amen? And you find that in the Bible, that every time Jesus prayed for people, 90% of the time he encouraged them or he, um, he put them in the situation where he, they had to act on their faith. You remember when Jesus, for example, uh, um, in Luke chapter 5, in Luke chapter 5, when that guy was paralyzed on a stretcher. Amen. And they couldn't go through the door, right? Amen. And they didn't go and say, well, I guess it's not the will of God. I guess we'll try another day. No, 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 no. They believed. They said, we're going to get one way or the other. So they did not give up. And they went up on the roof, dug a hole, and just lowered him on a stretcher. And Jesus saw their faith. Yes. You see, what they did showed that they had faith. And, and, and what did Jesus say? He said, your faith has saved you. Yes. Your sins are forgiven. All the religious people got upset. Amen. And so Jesus says to show you that it's as easy for the Son of Man to say that your sins are forgiven Pick up your bed, get up and walk. What was Jesus doing? He was encouraging or he was encouraging that man to start acting on his faith. Jesus saw that he had faith. But now in order for him to get healed, he was putting pressure or he was telling him to go and do something with his faith. 
or the same thing. You know, sometimes you read the Bible and you, 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 Jesus is telling people to do certain things. You're like, why did he tell that guy to, why did he put mud on his eyes? Why did he do that guy to go and show himself? Why did he do this? And why, sometimes we think that God is trying to kind of mess you, mess you up, you know, trying to do things so mysterious and spooky so that people can figure him out. It wasn't that. If you look at everything that Jesus did, he had a reason. He had a specific reason. He had a purpose in everything he did. And For example, we find that in John chapter 9, verse 7. What did he do? He put mud on the, a blind man and he told him to go wash in the pool of Siloam, which by interpretation means sent. And he... What, now, why did Jesus put mud on his eyes and then tell him, go and walk one and a half mile or one mile and go wash your eyes in the pool of Sil Siloam? Why would Jesus do that? He was telling the guy to put pressure on his faith. Right. You see, he was encouraging him to do something, to act on his faith. Okay, you believe, now do something with it. And he took faith for the man to go and walk in the dark. Have you ever tried to walk one mile in the dark? And go, and, and, and the men could have said, well, why can't I wash here? Somebody give me a bucket of water. You know, it would have been easier. But why did Jesus make it so hard on him? Why did Jesus make it so hard on me? Because Jesus knew that that man had faith, but he needed to do something with his faith. He needed to go and he, he, he had to go and, and push through and, and go and walk and go to the pool of Siloam. Or for example, the, 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 the lepers. Why did Jesus tell them in, in John, uh, in Luke 17, says, go and show yourself to the priest. Now, why did Jesus? Jesus didn't heal them right there. The guy still had leprosy. But Jesus told them to turn around and by faith walk, I don't know how long it was, probably a mile or two, to go to Jerusalem to show themselves to the priest. It took faith for them to go and walk a distance, wondering what if it doesn't work? And what if we go and show ourselves to the priest and nothing has happened? What's going to happen to us? They're going to kick us out. They're going to kick us out of the singer. Oh, they're going to, you know, everything that can go through your mind. Oh, yeah. Amen. Yeah. But Jesus told them, okay, you healed. Go and show yourself to the, to the priest. While they still had leprosy all over their body, they walked a distance and halfway, yeah. halfway they realized, wait a second, the leprosy stopped. And, of course, one of them turned around and came back to Jesus to thank him. And that one was totally whole. You know what is interesting? There is a difference there, and I'll just do a little parenthesis. You know, when Jesus told them, go and show yourself to the priest, those ten lepers realized that they were cleansed. What did it mean? It meant that the leprosy had stopped, stopped from spreading. But the one that came back, turned around to give thanks to God and glorify God. After all, he could have kept on going and said, praise God, I'm, 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 I'm here. But he 
he, he, he turned around and walked back to Jesus. It cost him something. Amen. To go back to Jesus to say thank you. The Bible said that that one was made whole. What the difference? You see, the others were cleansed. The leprosy stopped spreading. But if you have ever seen a leper, and I've seen lepers in India, leprosy will cause your nervous system to, to die where you don't feel anything. And, 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 and a leper will bump into things, will go to bed at night, and the rats would go and eat your nose, eat your fingers, and you won't feel a thing. And so you'd find a leper with, with a missing nose, missing fingers, missing toes. The nines were healed, but the, 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 the one was made whole. What happened? You see here there is faith. You can see that faith is thankful. There is gratitude in faith. He came to say thank you, and his nose grew back. His fingers grew back. His toes grew back. That will preach. Amen. That's an, an expression of faith. Amen. Hallelujah. Glory to God. And so we, we find out that all through the Bible, when Jesus told people to do certain things, it was not because he was trying to make it hard on them. It was because he was pushing them out of the nest, if you will. He was, he, he was uh, encouraging them, pushing them to start acting on their faith. Amen. Hallelujah. That reminds me, you know, how I learned that lesson that you can believe that God heals. But if you never do anything, if you never act like it, it is, if you ne never declare it and never act like it is so, your faith will remain inactive. Amen. Your, your, the power of God will not be activated, if you will. I remember I was, we're talking about boldness. Amen. And that takes boldness sometimes to act on your faith when there is pain in your body or when there is you in certain situation. And I remember uh, Fred and I were getting ready to go to, to the, the jungle of Guatemala. And so we had, we had a team that we had prepared, people waiting for us. And a few days before the D-Day, I started developing pain on my right side. And I started having pain, fever, 103 104 and start feeling like I want to vomit. And so I called a friend of mine who is a nurse. And of course, you know what she told me. She said, Audrey, it sounds like you have appendicitis. She said, you need to go to the hospital and you need probably to have surgery. And you know, I prayed and I knew that that was not the will of God for me. Just because there was people depending on me. And I knew that if I went to the hospital, I would have to cancel the mission trip. So I did not have peace in my heart to go to the hospital. You hear me? I was following the peace of God. I'm not saying, I'm not saying that I'm against doctor. I'm not saying I'm against hospital. I'm saying that I had prayed and I knew that if I went to the hospital, I would cancel that mission trip and I knew that was not the will of God. And I did not have peace to go to the hospital. So I stayed home and I prayed and I boldly declared and I believed I received. But all night long, it was a fight. All night long, there is the fever, the pain. My body is going under shock. My body is all shaking. 
and the temperature is rising, rising, rising. It's a fight all night long. And then the next morning, it's Sunday morning. What do you do on Sunday morning? Go to church. But I was sick as a dog. As a dog, I don't know why dogs are sick. <laughs> but Fred looks at me and says, Honey, you don't look too good. Why don't you stay in bed? And I'll go to the pastor and I'll explain. You understand, it's, I had not slept all night. I'm worn out, still in pain. My body is still shaking. I'm, I'm, I'm going through a battle. But I know, I believe, I, I, I received my healing. I believed, I declared, and I knew that I was healed. And so, just as Fred says, you know, why don't you stay in bed? Everything in me is like, I want to relax. I want to, you know, try to, to rest. But I heard the Holy Ghost said, what would you do on Sunday morning if you were well? And I knew it was not just enough for me to believe I was healed. I knew I needed to put action to my faith. So I got out of bed, took a shower, went to church. I get to church, I'm sitting like half dead. You understand, I'm still in a lot of pain. I don't know if you've ever gone through that kind of, it is painful. And I'm in church sitting like this. And, and usually I'm really expressive and jumping and lifting my hands and worshiping God. But I'm like that. And, 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 and I hear the Holy Ghost. He says, what would you do on Sunday morning in church if you were well? I knew that I would not be sitting <coughs> like that. So I got up, jumped, and, and, and danced and jumped and raised my hand. Did I feel like it? You see, there was a certain boldness there where I had to push through what I was feeling and what, what my body was telling me. And so I, 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 I went and I got up and started to dance. After the service, we get in the car. I'm still sick. I get in the car and Fred says, Honey, do you want to go home and rest or do you want to get a bite to eat? Of course, I didn't feel like eating. My stomach is right here in my throat. And so... I, 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 I'm thinking, I just want to go home. But I heard the Holy Ghost again and says, what would you do on Sunday morning after church if you were well? And of course, just like you, we like to eat. And we, after church, we always stop somewhere and get a bite to eat. And so we stopped at a restaurant. And I'm in the restaurant. The smell of the food makes me nauseous. And I'm like, ugh. And I'm having a conversation with the Lord, and I'm like, isn't it enough for me to be here in a restaurant? Do I have to eat? You know what I heard? What would you do on Sunday morning in a restaurant if you were well? And so I had to order a meal and eat every one bite at a time, one bite at a time, you know, and, and I'm still sick. And then we get out of the restaurant. And, 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 and I go, we, we walk to the car. By the time I put my hand on the handle, all the symptoms were gone. You know what I'm talking about here? I'm talking about that inner courage. When your head is saying, you're going to die, you're going to die. And when your body is saying, oh, you're going you're gonna to die. You, when you know in your heart, you know that you know that you are healed that you are the healed of the Lord by the stripes of Jesus, you are healed. There needs to be that courage, that boldness that says, I don't care what my body says. I don't care what the doctor, I don't care what nobody says. I am, I am healed. And you put some actions to your faith. 
Amen. I remember another time. Because we're talking sometime when it's just you and God, it's a little easier to be bold. But when there is people around you, you know what I'm talking about. It becomes a little, uh, a little difficult. Because after all, you're like, what are people going to think? That's all the same, the way, the same way. I remember Fred and I, we like to scuba dive. And then one, uh, there is good scuba diving in Australia, right? <laughs> Fred and I like to scuba dive. And then one, one weekend we had decided, let's just take a quick little trip, go to Fort Lauderdale, and, and, and just, just take a, a, a little weekend there. And so I packed the bag and everything. And, um, and I, I take, you know, one, one carry-on and put in in the trunk. And as I do that, ah, my whole bag gets locked. And it's pain shooting all through my, my back. And it's locked. I can't move. And I'm walking like that. And Fred says, oh, my gosh. He said, we can't go. And I'm like, no. In the name of Jesus, I know I am healed. You see, by that time, I had been healed of appendicitis. I had known how to kind of press through and put, you know, action to my faith and, and, and how to be a little bold and tell my body where to go and what to do. So I said, no, in the name of Jesus, I am not going to let the devil rob me of a nice little weekend. We've worked hard, you know. I am not going to let him rob me. And so he said, okay, so here we go. We go to Fort Lauderdale, you know, we get in the hotel and I get my little, you know, I get my faith book. So I'm, I'm going to feed my faith, you know, and, and build up my inner man. And, and so I'm reading and I'm thinking, surely enough, tomorrow I wake up, it all be okay, you know. Sleep a good night. The next morning, I'm still locked. Fred had to pull me out of bed. And so I'm walking like this. And Fred says, are you sure you're going to go and scuba dive? I say, yes, I'm going to scuba dive. So we go to the shop where we have to rent all the equipment. And you know, Jimbo, the kind of equipment you have to put on. And so here I am walking to the place like this. And the guy looks at me and says, uh, it's just for you or? I'm like, it's for both of us. So here I'm running, you know. We have to put the BC weight belt that we have the tank and, you know, the whole thing. And that stuff, you know. And, and so here we get on the boat, you know. And people are all sitting there. And it's just not you and the dive master. It's a whole slew of people. And they, their eyes are like big. They look at me. And here I am like this. You know, and putting the thing, and Fred is behind me. <laughs> and here, you know, and, and, and people are looking at me like, she's really going to dive. And I'm, I'm like, my back is locked. But at that moment, I said, no, I know, and I believe I am healed in the name of Jesus. I'm not going to let the devil rob me. So I was bold, and I said, I, I took my stand, and I declared it. I said, I am going to dive. And so here I am, you know, putting the, the whole thing and then putting the belt, then putting the BC so you can inflate it, you know, so you can go back up, put a weight so you can go down, then you put tanks so you can breathe, you know, it's a whole thing. And, and, and I'm like this, you know, with my back and Fred is like this around me. And then people are looking at me like, that woman is not going to die, you know. And all the thought were thinking, they're going to think I am totally not, you know. But at that moment, I didn't care because I was like, I was determined 
that I was going to beat that one. I was not going to let a devil rob me. But you know, the moment I jumped and my foot, you know, and I'm on the edge of the, the, the boat trying to jump and I'm like, it's, it's hurting me. My back is in pain. It's in spasm. But the moment I hit the foot on the water, bam, my back unlocked and the pain was totally gone. Never had a problem with that again. But you know, the point I'm trying to make is sometimes there is a spiritual boldness, a courage where you got not going to take no for an answer and not being afraid of taking a stand for what's right, taking a stand for the truth and declaring it and doing it no matter what people around you are going to think or say, no matter what your family is going to think or say. It's silent in his Catholic church. Dominus Patre. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Amen. Hallelujah. So, you know, that's what we're talking about. Not being, being, not being bold in your faith. Bold in your de- declaration. Bold in your actions. Amen. Hallelujah. And you know what's interesting is oftentimes you'll have well-meaning people around you. That'll be a stumbling block. You know what I've, because I have noticed, especially when it comes to the healing, you know, part of, of, you know, walking in your healing or receiving your healing. You know, it takes boldness and courage to go and act and do it and act on your faith and, and, and declare it. But you'll always have people around you that tries to overprotect you or try to make it too easy on you. You know what I'm talking about? I remember hearing Brother Hagen. If you know anything about him, when he was young, he had three deadly disease. He had a, a blood disease, paralysis, and a heart disease. And he, he, they said that he would not live past the, you know, 17 years old. And then he got a hold of a, a verse, Mark 11, 23, 24. And when he realized that he had to believe that he had received it and start acting like he had it before his body said, yeah, you, you, you healed. Amen. And he started to act on it. And that's how he got out of the bed. He got, he got totally healed of all those deadly, those three diseases. But he, 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 he told, when I was in school one time, he told a story that I'd never forgot. He said he was, you know, 17. He had just got totally healed of paralysis, blood disease, a heart disease. But he was very weak, right? His body had not caught up yet. And God, bad, you know, he had, his body had to get a little stronger. He, he had been laying down on a bed for I don't know how many years. And so um, he went back to school. And he said that what was interesting is that the principal of the school really was a good man. And he knew that, you know, Kenneth Hagin was weak and, and, and was recovering, you know. And, and so he said, he said, Kenneth, I tell you what, he said, because in the school there was like a lot of steps to go up, and then he had a hallway to go in his classroom. And sometimes he was feeling so weak, and he was feeling so dizzy, if he would feel like he was going to pass out. So the, the principal said, Kenneth, I tell you what, if you ever feel too weak, 
you have my permission. Because nobody held out a permission to leave the class, right? And he says, nobody else can, but you have my permission. If you ever feel too weak, if you ever feel like you, you know, you have my permission to leave the classroom and go home. And you know what Kenneth Hagin said? He said, man, my principal was a good man, but he made it very easy for me to fail. And he said, there was many times where I felt like I wanted to get up and go home, you know. He said, but I knew that if I ever did it, I would be admitting that I was not really healed. I would be giving in. It was like the devil's advocate, you know. He said, for me to leave the classroom or to make it too easy on myself would have been admitting that I was not really healed. And you know, that takes boldness and courage to say, no, no, I'm going to press through. And I can tell you the number of times where I have had to do that. You know, I have walked in perfect health in 28 years. Didn't mean I didn't get attacked. I got attacked with cancer, like I said, with appendicitis, with, you know, uh, um, chemical imbalance, carpal tunnel syndrome, where I fell on my, and I could not use my, you know, and the doctor says, we're going to have to operate, and I said, no. And I got healed of everything, but you know, it took that boldness. She said, you know what? I believe I'm healed, and I'm going to press through. I'm going to act like I am healed. I'm going to talk like I am healed. Why? Because I believe I am healed. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. And, 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 you know, if you have a little doubt about it, you see, here is the key. I am not saying that when you act, when you talk, that then God is going to heal you. You know, that, that, that's not what I'm saying. I'm saying that you know, that you know, and you believe that by the stripes of Jesus, God has already given you healing. And your action, because you believe in your heart, your actions, your, you know, your declaration, amen, it's simply declaring what Jesus has already done. It's just you are showing by your actions that you believe. You are showing by your declaration that you believe. You're not trying to get something. You know, if you have a doubt about this, pick up the CD on have you really received. That explains it very well. Amen. Hallelujah. Am I moving too much? You see, I'm, I'm making sure that you're putting your faith to work. Hallelujah. Hey, glory to God. Hallelujah. Amen. And so, you know, we have to be we have to be very careful, you know, that we don't make it too easy for people around us to fail. We can be kind and compassionate, but sometimes we've got to be bold with each other. You know, Fred and I sometimes with each other we kinda you know, we kinda jerk each other a little bit. When some because your flesh wants to take it easy. Your flesh wants to go the easy way, the easy road. But no, no. You see, when you know and you understand that you are healed, when you know and you understand that you've got something, then you start talking, acting like you've got it. I remember another time I was in Bible school. And um, 
probably like some of you, you know, I, I, I had to believe God for the finances. And in my case, I was French. I did not have a green card. I was a foreign student. And by law, I was not allowed to work. So I had to believe God for the finances to go to Bible school and to put, you know, to eat and pay my bills and all of that. And so that, that day, I had a stack of bills on my table and no money. I opened the fridge, it's all white, no food. <laughs> and, and, and so I said, God, I know in your word you said and you promised that you will meet all of my needs. And so here again, I said, I'm going to put pressure on my faith. I, nobody knew about it. I didn't tell one person I had a need. Nobody knew about it but God. And so I put all my bills on the table, and I spoke to my bills. I said, Bill, I command you to be paid in the name of Jesus. And then I, sp- I declared the word. I said, I believe in Jesus' name that all of my needs are met. And then after that, I said, I believe, God, you heard me. Angels, they're working on my behalf to bring the money I need. Devil, I command you to be bound over my finances. And then you know what I did? I did a little Jericho march around my table. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. My needs are met. At that moment, I believed I had received. But you know what I did? I didn't go around. I said, okay, how is it going to happen? I said, I need to put faith, action to my faith. So I said, instead of staying home, wondering how it's going to happen, when it's going to happen, I'm going to go and be a blessing. So I went to a prayer group. I said, I'm going to go and pray. They were praying for the nations, praying for different things. So I said, I'm going to go and pray. So I went to that prayer group and started to pray. And in the middle of the prayer group, somebody came and says, I don't know why, but he said, I'm going to interrupt. I need to do something right now. He said, God just spoke to me that there's somebody here. You've got an urgent financial need today. So I'm thinking, praise God. God knows about it. That's really, I was excited because I knew God knows about it, you know. And that's all I, I didn't expect anything. But all of a sudden, out of every corner of the room, people started to run to me. Nobody made a, a call. Nobody said anything. It was like a, a move of the spirit where people ran from all over the room to go and study to put money in my pocket, money, put, put a throw on my feet and everything. Did it ever happen to you? That's pretty impressive. I was like, nobody said, please would go. Somebody, does anybody have $20 for the sister? Anybody's got a hundred. Anybody can. Nobody said anything. They just, that, that guy just came forward and said, God just spoke to me that somebody here has an urgent need. Fits you just, you know, raise your hand. And so I went and I said, and there was me actually, and there was an, another person. And all of a sudden, people ran to us and started. And I went back home, counted the money, had enough money to pay my rent pay the bills, buy some food, and enough left to give a, a, an offering to a missionary in India. You know, what I'm, but, but here is the key. Here is the key. You see, at the moment I believed, because I, we've been talking about healing, but it goes in every area of our life. You see, faith, we put pressure on faith, not on people. And that's the key. We put pressure on faith, not on people. We tell God about it. 
you know, and, 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 and just see God move on our behalf. And, and nobody knew about it but God. And once I, I prayed, believed I received, you know what I did? I acted and talked like I had it. I acted and talked like it was already done. And I went to that prayer meeting. I didn't go thinking like this. And then pray, oh Lord, I thank you that today, oh thy Lord, that shall meet my need. Because you, oh Lord, you know that I need $695. You know how people go in prayer meeting? You, oh Lord, you're the only one who knows I need $695. You know what I'm talking about. So many times, you know, we want to help God. But God wants to meet our need. Amen. In glory means that he wants to do it. Is it wrong to share your need with others? You know, I... I, you know, I, I don't believe it is, but there is a plan. And I, I, this is what I believe. Now, this is just my, my opinion. I believe that when it comes to ministry needs, when you have ministry needs, things to help others, to do things for them, it is good to, to let people know about it, yes. for people to get in on what, you know. But when it comes to my personal needs, to what I need, it's between God and my husband and I. You know what I mean? Ministry need, I'll, I'll share, but personal need, I'll keep those to myself. And I let, I put the pressure yeah. on the word Amen. and on my faith, not on people. And you know, and here, when you let, you know, people know about your ministry needs, you know, you don't put pressure, you know, on people. You just present the need. Amen. For more information on GoTel Ministry, our teaching, our itinerary, and to discover the many testimonies of those who have been touched and healed by the power of God, you may visit our website at www.gotelministry.org. And remember that Jesus came to give you life and life in abundance.